All right. Hello, everybody that uh, is here with us in the building. Uh, hello to all of you that are in your living rooms, uh, whether you're watching uh, live via the stream or whether you're watching YouTube or uh, podcast or whatever it is that you listen. Uh, I'm just so thankful that we have uh, this tool uh, available to us to be able to help each other grow. Uh, and this is only our second time of putting like the chairs all the way in a circle, so it's kind of nice that like, like I don't have anybody behind me. I was wondering how I was going to completely spin the whole way around, because it's kind of good. Uh, all right, so um, next week, uh, we are starting a brand new series, uh, and uh, the way we kind of do this is that we have series that go for a long time, and so this series is going to go from next week all the way until Easter, uh, maybe. It might go further than Easter. Uh, we'll see kind of how things go. Uh, so I'm super excited to start that next week. Uh, that series is called God is Love, and it's going to be great uh, on your programs. You can see some resources that we're going to be pointing you to over the course of the series, and that'll give you a little bit of a, a taste of what that series is going to be all about. Uh, but before uh, we get into that series, I wanted to take a week to read the program to you. Uh, doesn't that sound exciting? Aren't you glad you uh, braved the snow and uh, tuned in online so you can have a program read to you? Uh, and the reason why I want to do this is because uh, if you happen to be watching, I don't see anybody in the building that's here for the first time, uh, but if you... Uh, are watching uh, YouTube or whatever, and you're brand new, then this will be brand new information, and that's always helpful to hear. Uh, but for those of us that have been around a while, I think this is incredibly helpful too, because this is information that has been around for a while. Uh, I intentionally don't change the program. Uh, it, these main things have been written on the program for at least a year and a half, maybe longer. Uh, and so because they're so regular, there's a reason why we keep them so consistent. But because they're so regular, uh, we can start to kind of tune them out and become white noise, because that's just what our, our brains do. Uh, Ashley and I live a couple blocks away from here, over by the hospital, and we're right on the plane route. Uh, so planes are constantly flying over our yard, uh, so much so that I don't even really notice it anymore. Uh, and the only time I notice it is when we're outside and we're with someone who's not normally in our house, and a plane will fly over, and they're like, oh, what, that's like a plane, like, right over your house. And it's like, yeah, no, that, that happens, because they notice it, because it's brand new to them. But to me, it's, it's happened so much that I've almost kind of, like, tuned it out. And so these are things that I'm sure you've heard before, but maybe you've kind of started to, like, not see how important it really is. Uh, and I think all of these things are crucial to what we're trying to do as a church. Uh, so before... I read those to you uh, a couple different uh, kind of level set. And so once again, uh, as we say each week, church is not a building, it is not a service, it is not an organization. And so church is not something that you go to. Uh, it's not, do we have church this Sunday? Uh, where are we going to meet for church? Church is a group of people. And so you are the church, or better said, you have the choice to be a part of the church, because the church is a group of people who are choosing to love Jesus, each other, and the world. And so just because you come to a building and take part in one of our services doesn't necessarily mean that you're a part of the church. We don't force that on you. Uh, we don't make you be a part of the church. Uh, this is a lifestyle choice to say, I want to intentionally live my life, and I want to do it with a group of people to help me and I want to better love Jesus, each other, in the world. And I want to be a part of this group. Uh, and that goes back 
to a question that we looked at a lot this last year, and it's the idea of flourishing, uh, that we think the kind of the chief goal of all of the Bible and of Jesus is that God wants you to have a flourishing life that starts now on this earth and then goes on forever and ever and ever. And the question that we're always trying to like wrestle with, I think this is what everyone is wrestling with to some degree, is what is the way that's going to actually help me flourish? And there's a million different messages out there. Uh, you can go to Barnes and Nobles and you can find self-help books and you can find programs and there's lots of people signing up for gyms and you can see you, know, you spend money on this thing and there's lots of different people who will point you in a direction to say if you do these things this is the way that will help you flourish and what we are, are trying to be is a group of people to say that the best way we think to flourish in life is to be someone who loves Jesus each other in the world that it is Really, the only, if you want to have the actual flourishing life, then the God who designed the universe, then there's a certain way in which we need to live our life. Uh, another way that we say it, uh, we quote this verse a lot uh, by Jesus in John 10. Uh, Jesus said that he came to bring life and life to the full. That that's what my dream, my prayer, that's Jesus' hope, and that's the whole reason why we come together as a church is so that we want you to have a full, real, lasting life. That's why Jesus came to earth. Uh, what does a full life look like? Again, it's, it's different ways of what flourishing looks like. Uh, and so a full life does not look like the American dream of a full life. And so a full life isn't living in a big house with a fast car and all your needs are taken care of and everything is super comfortable and there's no illnesses. The idea of a full life is that your circumstances of life could actually be very difficult and very hard. But in the midst of those circumstances, you can still have a full life. Uh, here's what the Apostle Paul uh, said. He talks about the fruits of the Spirit. He says that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all those are a life that you can actually live. Those things cannot just be, you know, hopes. You can live in that kind of a life, according to Paul. You can walk and follow the Spirit in such a way where your just life is defined by love, where you just are filled with joy. Peace is just something that you are. It's what's inside of you. Uh, and so the question is, is how do we get that full life? How do we follow the Spirit in such a way that we have those things are just true of us? Uh, and again, here's what uh, Jesus uh, said. This is in uh, John uh, 15. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, and so in our house right now, we have a handful of various plants. Uh, if you go, uh, Ashley has a, a lemon tree uh, that she got from her sister for her birthday, and uh, she just repotted it yesterday because it wasn't doing great, but so she bought a bigger pot with special dirt, and she's been like spraying different stuff on there. And the hope is that it's going to grow, and it's going to eventually produce lemons. And the reason why that's going to grow is because of all this work that she is doing to be able to help this thing grow. Uh, we have another plant that's in our living room right now. It's our Christmas tree. 
Uh, we cut our Christmas tree down uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and it is a fire hazard at this point. Uh, we were going to take it down yesterday. We did not. Uh, if you were to, like, go down it, then it would just be, like, you know, all, all over the place. It's this big mess because it is in the process of dying because we cut it off. And even though it's still, if you look at it from afar, it still looks a little bit green. And, you know, we've been, you know, we've still been watering it. And, you know, we've kind of kept it in the sun. But because it's not attached to the thing that's actually giving it all of its nutrients, it is in the process of dying. And so what Jesus says is the way in which we produce fruit in our life is to be attached to the thing that's going to actually help us grow. And so, in short, that's how you grow. You grow by being in proximity with Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you orient your life around Jesus, the more that you just sense the presence of the Spirit throughout every moment of your day, that's the way in which you grow. Uh, and so everything else we're going to talk about, the idea behind all these things that we write in the program on a weekly basis is that, at least in my life, I don't naturally always sense the presence of God in my life. Uh, what we believe is that God is always speaking to us, but many times I just get too distracted and I don't hear it. Uh, I have the ability in every moment of every day to be attached to the vine, but many times I just don't, and it's easy for me to get caught up in other things of life. And so these are all practices, habits, disciplines, whatever you want to call them, to help us to regularly be attached to the vine, and that's why we promote them on such a regular basis. So with that, I'm going to just kind of read through each of these sections, and these are habits that we encourage that if this next year, if you want to begin or if you want to continue a journey of being a person who loves Jesus each other in the world, if you want to be a person that is experiencing the full life that Jesus says that all of us can live, if you want to be someone who is producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then I believe that these practices, practiced by Jesus himself, are things that can help us be able to produce that fruit. Uh, so the first one is what we call the daily office. Uh, so what this is, is this is uh, a time each day it could be uh, two or three times each day where you intentionally take a moment to stop, to pause, to be quiet, and to listen to the presence of God. Uh, and the idea with this is, again, that God is always speaking. There's nowhere you can ever go where God is just not, where not speaking. Our issue is, is that we just sometimes don't have the ability to be able to sense all of what God is doing. We get distracted. We don't really hear. And so what a daily office is, is it's a moment that helps us better tune in to God so then we can stay tuned in to God the rest of the day. Uh, this is a quote by um, Aaron uh, Nyquist, uh, who we do a lot of uh, great uh, stuff from. Here's what he wrote. It says, if... We are already submerged in the presence of God and the reality of the kingdom, which is what we believe. God is everywhere. You can't escape God's presence. Then every moment becomes an opportunity to open our eyes and partner with God's present work of grace. God is presently trying to do something. He wants to show you something. While putting our kids to bed, we can partner with God's work in our kids or we can miss out. 
Uh, we can get into a fender bender. Hopefully no one did that today in the snow. Uh, we can partner with God's work and the person who wasn't paying attention and hit our car, or we can miss out. Every moment offers an opportunity to align with God's immersive presence and get swept up in God's healing activities in our lives and the life of the world. But how? How do we cultivate eyes to see the current? How do we become aware of what has been true all along? Jesus ended several of his teachings with the odd and provocative appeal, whoever has ear to hear, let him hear. Simply being in the presence of the teacher of life apparently is not enough, because we're always around his presence. Jesus' audience, then and now, needs to cultivate ears to hear and eyes to see in order to receive his words. A modern-day example. At this moment, Hundreds of AM and FM radio waves are passing through our bodies and eardrums, but they are imperceivable to us. It doesn't matter how hard we try to listen or how many new stations are added, we simply don't have ears to hear radio waves. But if we turn on a radio and tune it in to the right frequency, we can receive the fullness of the waves that we're already swimming in. We must cultivate eyes to see and ears to hear. And this is what a daily office can help you do. This is what, as I've been in this practice of doing a daily office now more regularly in my life for the last handful of years, this is what it does, is it helps to tune your ears and your eyes and just your whole being to what God has been doing all along. And so if you're not in the habit, I encourage you as you start this year to start that habit. Uh, a resource that we recommend is the Lectio 365. There is other great resources out there. It doesn't really matter what you find, but just find something. Uh, but here's the prayer that the Lectio 365 opens with each day, which is kind of the, the sense of the whole idea of why a daily office is so important, is it encourages you to pause. And as I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, and to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. And that's the idea. If you want to grow, if you want to experience a full life that God has to offer, if you want to have more joy and peace, then you need to be plugged into the presence of God, which means you need to be in a regular habit of pausing and re-centering your scattered senses upon the presence of God. Uh, the second one uh, is the idea of Sabbath. And uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about Sabbath over the last couple years. Uh, the idea of a Sabbath is it's a day, a hopefully a whole day a week, where you'd step back from emails and chores and all the, all the to-dos of life. And you take a step back and you spend a whole day just resting and delighting and just being in the presence of God. And this is such a hard habit to get into because our world is just so go, 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 go. But I promise you, one of the most influential things you can do to start growing in your life this year and experience the presence of God is to have that weekly time of taking a step back and enjoying the presence of God. Uh, here's what uh, Pete Gazzaro says in The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He says, the practice of Sabbath is an act of resistance. It's a holy disruption. It disrupts our schedule, our striving, and if we're honest, 
our self-determination. It's an act of resistance against the alternate story the the world tells us about who we are, what we should be doing, where our value is found, and how to live. The world tells us we are not enough, that we don't have enough, and that we are defined by what we do and what we accomplish. And God wants to tell you a different story. And Sabbath helps us to be able to do that. Uh, And I know this is not an easy habit to get into, uh, and so I would encourage you, if you're not in the habit of regular taking a Sabbath, just begin. Uh, Go home today, look at your calendar, and find somewhere to start. Uh, If you can't do weekly to start off with, maybe find one or two uh, days in January that you can have an intentional Sabbath. If you don't think you can do a whole day, start by doing just a couple hours. But start somewhere and begin that process of saying, for this set amount of time, I am intentionally going to turn off all this stuff. And even though it feels like I need to keep going, I need to keep accomplishing, there's more I could do, there's more I feel like I should do, I'm going to intentionally stop. Uh, here's a, a prayer uh, again, in the Lectio app that we encourage. There's a, an adult version and then there's a, a family version. And this is from the Sabbath prayer that the family version has. And I just, I love this prayer. And this is the idea of Sabbath. And this is why I need to pray this prayer every single week. And I bet all of us do too. It says, may this Sabbath bring rest and joy to our hearts and homes. May today be a little less go, 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 and a little more slow, slow, slow. May we care less about things and care more for people. As we relax in God's love, may we take time to listen and remember that we are all God's children. What would your life be like if you were regularly taking that prayer and not just saying it, but putting it into your heart and letting it start to reshape you, to plug yourself into that vine of that message that God wants to give you? I think it will help you change and experience a full life. Uh, The next one is generosity. And I think uh, this might be one of the the bigger ones that really, all of these affect our hearts so much. Uh, But I think as far as like figuring out the alternate story, again, one of the big questions we're always trying to ask is, what is the way that's going to help me to get to flourishing? And the messages that we hear are constantly about the way to flourishing is by getting more. If, if my bank account was more, if my salary was more, if I had more stuff, if I had a bigger house, that would make me happier. And anecdotally, we all know that's true because we know people who live in big houses and nice cars and you see celebrities on the front of the magazines and the newspaper and they're talking about that they still don't feel like that they are, they're not living a full life. They're not experiencing the fruits of the Spirit. And so we all know more doesn't necessarily give us what we want, but there's still a part of us that wants to believe that story. And so when we intentionally give money away, it helps us live out and also put our hearts in a direction to say, the story I believe is that actually the way for me to flourish is what God says of giving money away. Uh, Here's what uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, And I think that's, that's just so true. It's 
if I wanted to see what you most value in life, I could just look at where you spend your money. Uh, where you, if I was look at you, open up your bank statement, if I was open up, if I was see what, you know, as tax receipts start to come in over the last little bit, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think the inverse is true too, that if you start putting your money towards things that don't just break down with moth and, and rust, but you put your heart towards things that will last eternally, you put your heart towards people, uh, and your money towards people, and that your heart will follow there also. Uh, so the way that we encourage uh, to give, and you can see lots of other uh, teachings that we've done about this. Uh, so I've often done pizza or pie with this, but I, I forgot to bring one today, so I have wheat thins. And so if you look at any pie, any pizza, or any box of wheat thins, as it would be, uh, there is a limit. And so this one says it has 12 serving sizes in it. And so uh, if you think of the amount of money you have as this box, there is a finite amount of crackers in this box. You have a finite amount of money. And so the first thing that we encourage you to do is to don't try to spend more crackers than are in the box. Don't try to spend more money than you actually have, which is what many times we do. We spend more money than we actually have, and then we go in debt. That's not good. And then what we want to do, once we're not spending more than we have, is we want to say, okay, here's the amount of money that I have. And what we often do with giving is we figure out, okay, here's how many crackers I need to give to my rent. Here's how many crackers I need to give uh, to pay for these bills. Here's how many crackers I need to be able to go on vacation. And then if there's any left over, we use that to, give, to, to be generous and to give away. And what Jesus calls us to do is the reverse, is to say, okay, if I have 12 servings, how, before I figure out how I'm going to live my life on all the rest of the money, let me first decide how much can I give away? What percentage of my money can I give away? And then I'm going to figure out how I'm going to live on the rest. And uh, that percentage changes for different people. Uh, growing up, the percentage was always 10%. That was like the big deal. And I think that's an important number because I believe that 10% is possible for anybody. I don't think there's anybody in this room, I don't think there's anybody that's watching online that you couldn't figure out how to give 10% of your money away and live on 90%. Because my entire life, I have seen folks in all kinds of different churches that I've been a part of, people of all kinds of different economic levels that have been able to figure that out. And then uh, what's possible for a lot of us maybe is that you start at 10%, if you're working your way up to 10%, you could potentially give more money away. Uh, this is a journey that Ash and I have been on for uh, many years now. Uh, we've been giving 10% away since we were little kids. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad would give us uh, our allowance and dimes. So we would get a dollar each week, and we would get 10 dimes, and then we would give one dime to church. And so giving 10% was not a difficult thing for me. And so when we got married and we started making our meager incomes when we first got married, giving away 10% was not a hard thing. And so we started to say, what if we increased? And we started increasing about 1% or so a year. Uh, and then this past year, we started giving away around 20% of our income. And I don't say that for anything to me, just to say that it's a picture of possible. And then the next question is, is where do we give that money to? Uh, and we encourage you to give that money to three different places. And so once you figure out, here's how many crackers I have to give away, which is super fun. And then we encourage you to give some of that money away to Christ Church Albany. Uh, that's a huge help to us. It helps to pay for everything that we do. But we don't want you to give all of that money to the church. We want you to intentionally, because this pile of crackers I'm going to give away, this money I'm going to give away, I'm going to give some of it to church. 
I'm going to give some of it to some cause I believe in, something that's making a difference and bringing the kingdom of God to the world. And then I want to use some of it for hospitality. I want to intentionally have money that I can just do fun things in the neighborhood. And that just act of being generous and giving money away is just such a, it, it changes your heart. Where you start to put your treasure will change your heart. You will see yourself grow. And so if you're not regularly in the habit of giving, uh, I encourage you, after you watch this video, as you leave, go home and start to think about how much money could I give away this year, and then set up something to start giving that money away. Uh, get on our website, get on the other organization's website that you want to give to, and set up some sort of reoccurring giving uh, to just to make that change into your life. Uh, next one is our Sunday services. And so, uh, those of you in the middle, you guys did it. Even through a snowstorm, you guys figured out how to be at a Sunday service. So, way to go. Uh, Sunday services are an incredibly important part of how we grow and how we stay attached to uh, the vine. Uh, as some of you know, uh, we made a change back in November. Uh, we were, uh, since COVID, uh, we've been in a mode where we're only doing service twice a month. And now we're in a mode again where we're doing service every single Sunday. And uh, two of the big reasons of why we said we wanted to go to have weekly services is because of the connections that happen on Sunday services and because of kids. Uh, it's just so important for our kids to be able to have regular time where they are spending time with other kids who are trying to grow to love Jesus, where they have adults that are investing in them to help them know how to love Jesus, and just to be able to... I just think so much of our growing up, there's, there's some things that are taught and there's many things that are caught. And just that habit of just like, I see my parents getting ready. I see they've made a priority to make being a part of a church community a priority. Just seeing that will build something in them. And so that weekly habit will be a huge thing uh, if you are a kid and if you have kids. But then the other one was for connections. We want you to be able to connect with other people that are a part of our church. We grow better when we are together. And so a quick note on that, because connection is one of the big reasons of why we do Sundays, uh, I love that you're all sitting here quietly in your seats right now uh, or watching online. That's wonderful. Uh, but one of the most important things we do on Sundays is to not be quiet, is to talk to other people. And so with our Sunday services, I just highly encourage for us to grow and flourish together. Come early to services and plan on staying late. Uh, if our services start at 10.30, then normally 10.30 to like 11.45, carve out kind of a bigger chunk of your schedule because one of the reasons why we want you to come is so that you can spend time in conversation with other people and so make that a part of what we do. Uh, then the other big part of what we do with Sunday services is obviously teaching. This is our main forum of how we communicate what uh, Jesus is about, what the Bible has to say. And so like I said, next week we're going to be starting a new series uh, talking about that God is love, and I'm so excited for that. And so I just, again, I just encourage as we start this new year, make a priority uh, that you hear these teachings, uh, whether that's coming to service or watching online or following up uh, via YouTube. Because uh, the reason why we emphasize this idea of being exposed to teaching, uh, this is something that you're going to hear a lot in this series uh, coming up. It's this idea that our orthodoxy determines our orthopraxy, which sounds really fancy because it's Latin. Uh, but here's uh, what it actually means, it's just that our beliefs determine our actions. 
And so it's similar to like, if I want to see what you really believe, I can look at your money. If I want to know what you really believe, I just need to look at how you live. Uh, Because how you actually live your life is determined by what you actually believe. You can espouse that you believe all kinds of different things, but it's how you actually live that shows. And so one of the things that I have an agenda when we're teaching or when we have other folks teach here is we're trying to change your mental map. Uh, I want to teach you some things that maybe you didn't know before, or I want to reframe things, uh, because I want our beliefs to mirror the beliefs of Jesus and what Jesus wants us to believe, because if our beliefs are in the right direction, then our actions will follow. Uh, The next piece, then, is community groups, and so kind of going along with the idea of teaching. One of the reasons why we believe community groups are just like so vital. Again, we say church is not a building, it's not an organization, it's not a service, And it's so important to say that all the time because it's so easy to think, okay, Sunday morning service, that's the main thing. And then all these, if if I have time, I might like do some of these. And we really want to kind of drive home this idea that your community group is really like tongue and groove. It like parallels what we're trying to do with Sunday morning teachings because we want us to actually change our beliefs. And Sunday mornings and teaching can be a way that we can start to learn things but it's when we get into a small group of people that we can really start to apply these things to our life and actually start to live them out, ask questions, whatever that looks like. Uh, here's a quote that we've referenced a lot in the last couple of years by a guy named uh, Mike Breen. Uh, Mike says, most churches uh, attempt a programmatic process of making disciples that does little to help people overcome the powerful models that they've come to imitate. And I that's the idea that like there's so many different voices out there telling us here's the way you need to flourish and I mean, every tv show when you go to work there's just all these voices saying here's the direction that you need to live your life and the way of jesus is just so different than all those voices it's so counterintuitive it's so better harder it's picking up your cross and trying to walk in a sacrificial different direction and so if we're going to actually kind of go against our culture and the way they say we should flourish and go in the way of jesus it takes a lot uh so he says people can be very inspired by sermons i hope that's true uh yet within a day they resort to their default behavior and I won't make anybody raise their hand, but I think we've all been there before. Where we hear something, and we're like, oh, that's really interesting, that's really good. We think, I, I should totally do something about that. But then we go home, we get busy, and it just no change actually happens because just hearing something is good, but changing and transformation is much harder. The only way to help people change and grow is to provide personal encouragement and accountability. And of course, All of this is built on the expectation that every member should apply God's word to his or her life. Uh, The way in which we grow is when you have someone who's holding you accountable. When you have someone who's encouraging you, like, okay, you had this thought of something that was inspiring to you. You thought about starting to do a daily office, do a Sabbath. You thought about giving. Okay, how can I encourage you in doing that? How can I hold you accountable to actually doing the thing that God is putting on your life to actually change? Uh, yeah, some of us have the ability, maybe we're more self-disciplined than others, to just to like do all that on our own. But I think all of us need help 
to be able to do it uh, and to be able to make these changes. If the expectation is for people to just come back next Sunday, then we've missed an opportunity and are relying on the weekend service to have a greater impact than it possibly can. And that's our our whole idea is we don't want us to just be a group of people who happens to show up in the same building and like enjoy Sunday service together and then go on with the rest of our lives and live however we want. We want to actually change. We want to actually be transformed. We want to actually live full lives and have the fruit of the Spirit start to take place in our lives. And being a part of a community group is one of the chief ways that will help us to be able to do that. Um, two uh, quick uh, things on community groups. Uh, the first, like I said, uh, on the back, there's all kinds of different resources. And so if you're trying to figure out what your community group can do to be able to grow uh, this next semester, uh, these resources will really parallel super well with our Sunday morning teachings, and they'll be able to help us take what we learned on Sunday mornings and then actually apply them to our life. So you as a group can look through and figure out what you can do with that. Uh, if you are not currently a part of a group, uh, then we encourage you to sign up for a group. Uh, but one of the things I want to kind of keep emphasizing is the idea of a community group is it's a small group of people. And a group can be incredibly small. And so if you're not currently a part of a group and you're thinking about starting one, maybe your starting your group could be just like two or three other people. And I really think that groups of like eight or less are actually some of the best ways because if our, our goal is to like encourage people and hold each other accountable and really have deep relationships with other people, it's pretty tough for you to have deep relationships with 16 people, 20 people, 25 people. Uh, you can really only know so many people so well and really only encourage people so well. And so for many of you, maybe we need to start smaller groups. And if you are currently in a big group, uh, our group is pretty big. Uh, one of the things that we've kind of kicked around uh, in our group leaders meetings is that when we get together, maybe we eat together, maybe we hang out together, but then when it comes time to do some discussion and prayer, we split up even in the houses or wherever we happen to be meeting into some smaller groups so that we can really all have time to talk and share and do the magic that really happens in a community group. Uh, Then the last thing about community groups, uh, kind of pro tip if you're already in a group, is that when you come to a group, be prepared. Uh, I think one of the best ways to help your community group really be a fruitful time is for whatever resource you end up picking. Uh, for what can happen in a group sometimes is there's a leader and that person is kind of prepared and figured out what they're going to talk about. And then everyone else is coming in cold and they're like, all right, like I'll just kind of like come up with stuff off the top of my head as the group leader asks questions. And sometimes that can create really great discussion. But what creates the best discussion in a group is when everybody is already coming into the group with things that they want to talk about, uh, where they've looked at whatever resource, they've read the chapter, they've already watched the video, they've already spent some time in the verse, they've already been thinking about the questions, and they're coming in with like, here's my thoughts, here's my questions, here's my complaints, here's the thing I agree with, here's the thing I really don't agree with, and I want to get your guys' opinion on it. Here's something I'm thinking about I might need to change in my life, and I don't know how, like, For you to come in with some ideas of what you want to talk about and how you want the people to help you would just spur your group on so, so much. Uh, All right, and then lastly, last part of the program is the Connect card. So at the bottom of the sheet, uh, this is there every single week. And the reason why we put this is because we want you to communicate with us. This is our way, uh, this is your way to let us know 
is there something that you are thinking about doing as a next step? And so especially on the back there, uh, if you are thinking about volunteering for a Sunday morning service, uh, if you're thinking about taking a step like baptism, if you're thinking about taking a step like joining a group, uh, if you're thinking about maybe becoming a family member of Christ Church Albany, uh, this is a way for you to let us know that you want to be able to grow, and we want to hear from you. And so if you're here today, and if there's a, a step you are thinking about taking, uh, I encourage you, take some time, fill this out, and put it in the orange bucket out there. Uh, if you're watching uh, online, next time you're here, fill this out and let us know. Uh, we believe God is always speaking, and he's probably pushing you towards some direction. And so for you to ask for prayer, for you to let us know how you can, uh, what you're thinking about growing in can be a, a huge, uh, huge, huge help. Uh, all right, now actually last. That's, that was last. This is actually last. The other thing uh, that we do as a reoccurring habit as a church is when we come together for Sunday morning services, uh, we are in the practice of celebrating communion every single time we come together. Uh, and that is so imperative to why we come together every single Sunday. Uh, and so if you're at home watching, you can take communion while you're there. Church is not a building. Uh, you can find some bread, juice, or uh, at some points during COVID, I think we have like orange juice and donuts. Uh, I don't really care. Find something that can just kind of be a symbol uh, for you of communion. But this practice that Jesus told us to do on a regular basis, I feel like is so imperative. Because we kind of have these like two different mess, big messages that I think that God is regularly trying to give us, that Jesus is trying to give us. On the one hand, he wants us to grow. He wants us to be attached to the vine. God wants us to take next step. God wants us to move in a direction where we are moving away from our sinful life and moving into a more full life, a life that is attached to the vine, of a life that is attached to... Uh, that is creating the, the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And on the other hand, we're always looking back and being like, ah, but I, this past week did not go well. I, I have not been doing these habits. I, I've, I've heard we should do a daily office. I didn't. I have heard we should take a Sabbath. I don't. I know I should be being generous with my money, but I'm, I've been living pretty greedy. I've been spending more than I... We just look back and we can just... Our consciences and our guilt and our shame can just be like, ah, like, God, you asked me to live in this way, but I just blew it. And so communion is a chance for us to, like, confess that. And confession is so healthy to be able to confess that to God. And then God gives us this other reoccurring, regular message of, like, I love you. I forgive you. I do not hold your mistakes and your sin against you. Now let's go this next week and let's keep trying to grow. Let's keep being attached to the vine. And if you blow it, it's okay. I still love you. Confess it. I forgive you. Now let's keep on going this next week. Uh, so with that in mind, as we get ready for communion, let me read this from uh, the Apostle John. He wrote this 2,000 years ago uh, about Jesus. He said, from the very first day, we were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, we saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw what happened, 
And now we're telling you in the most somber prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you so that you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. You can live in the presence of God. Our motive for writing this is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. You can live in joy in a full life. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. Us, on the other hand, though, if we claim that we experience a shared life with him living in his presence, but yet we continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, if we choose to put ourselves in a way of living where we're putting ourselves in the light and presence of God, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's Son, purges all our sin. We are forgiven. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, simply come clean about them. He won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. We need to be reminded of that. If we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God. We make a liar out of him. A claim like that shows off our ignorance of God. I write this, dear children, to guide you out of sin. There's a way out of sin. But if you do sin, if you don't do a great job on these habits, if you fall back into habits of other lies that tell you another way to flourish, you have a priest, a friend, in the presence of the Father, Jesus Christ, righteous Jesus. And he served as a sacrifice for our sins. He solved the sin problem for good, not only ours, but the whole world's. Uh, so the table is open. I'm going to say a prayer. And as you come up, confess your sins. Be honest and real about the way that you have ignored the presence of God in your life. Feel that forgiveness and love. And then let's start to, in this moment, walk in the presence of God and the light of God and in the way of God and towards the flourishing of God this week. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for the way that you lived. Thank you for the way in which you call us to live. It is not always easy to make time, to spend time with you in a daily office, to leave things on the table that we could get done so that we can rest in Sabbath, to leave things unpurchased so that we can give more money away, to take the time to be a part of a Sunday service, 
to be vulnerable and authentic enough to really share and help each other grow in a group, as well as all the other things that you're speaking to us. They're just so countercultural. There's such a different way of how to flourish. And I just blow it on a regular basis. So keep drawing me to show me how I can live. And when I fall short, and I do, and I will, remind me of how much you still love me. Remind me that my sins are forgiven. And then let's keep going together. And we pray. Amen. When you're ready, you can come up to the communion.